All right. So we're going to introduce two new concepts, priming and presence. And really what we want to do is study our process. Know which one you kind of maybe lean towards more by default and maybe not the other one so much. But we want to really help you be able to know how to use them both intentionally. Priming and presence. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, so priming and presence. You know, sometimes people can get caught up in trying to compare which which one is better, which one should be you use. And really, Ryan and I aren't are going to try and argue against or for one another. What we want to argue for, though, in a way is, hey, know what you're doing so that you can use it in a very intentional and efficient way and be able to know that maybe sometimes you have to pivot and use one more than the other. But anyway, we just want to make them clear so we can be cleaner and more effective with the use of priming and presence. Yeah, I like this concept. I'm starting to use it more on the road, trying to get more clear. Um, in some ways, this we say it's a new concept. We're just meaning words we haven't used as much. It's mm-hmm. nothing new. Uh, Sun Tzu, am I saying that name right? The author of Art of War. Oh, you got me on that. Yeah, okay. That's like a book written in the 1400s, but it's studied a lot. Sun Tzu, I think is how you say his name. Anyway, he says... If you know yourself and you know the enemy, you can't lose. <clears throat> and we're kind of along those lines today. Our enemy is the cycle. Our enemy is avoidance of things that need to be addressed, um, et cetera. And uh, knowing ourselves is really key. So uh, priming versus presence, mm-hmm. two different sides of EFT, two different styles, some some trainers, some supervisors, some therapists use one more than the other. All of us use both at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, we're talking about how do you access the attachment channel? How do you get people out of their story down into a more, more workable material? Mm-hmm. So priming versus presence. What do you think of when you think of the word priming, James? Man, it's the things that we do intervention-wise, or maybe some of the phrases and language that we are doing to try and um, be evocative, to evoke, to stoke emotion. You know, the image I use when I train, because we all have different experiences, is I talk about uh, my wife, Nicola, making curry. And uh, when she turns, like, when she just cuts up the ingredients and chops them up, it's great. I know what they're going to become, but it doesn't really matter to me until she applies some heat to it. And then all the ingredients begin to meld together. And it's like the heat somehow, it just primes the flavors and the essence in the ingredients. And that's what I think about priming. That's nice. I, I have a way worse metaphor. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, so one of my worst memories growing up was mowing the yard. And I had to do way it all worse, the time. Way worse. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, I hated it. I found out later I'm severely allergic to grass. So no wonder I hated it. But, you know, I grew up in a really small town. Both my parents were school teachers. Yard needed mowed. We weren't paying anybody to do it. I was going to do it. And so we had old equipment on an old old push mower, one of those red, you know, Honda things. And 
The worst part of it for me, other than the grass making me sick, was getting the thing started every time. And it had a clear bulb on the side, and that's that's called a primer. Yeah. So you had to pump that thing like four times, you know, and like hold your hold your head just to the side <laughs> while you yanked on that rope to get it started, or, or it wouldn't start. And if you if you hit that primer fifteen times, then it floods it. If you hit it one time, you're not going to get those blades going. And I think that's a decent metaphor of what we're trying to do with the the juice of the attachment channel, like deeper emotion. So priming, like literally what that bulb was doing was pulling gasoline out of the gas tank and sending it into the motor. You know, in your car, it's fuel injection. In a Honda mower in the 80s, you had to prime it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true for clients a lot of times as well. Um, I think, you know, you, you just come in there and say, what's that like for you? And you just go for the emotion. And what you're going to find is you're going to get blocked way more often and the story's going to take over. So by priming, what we mean is um, a, a therapist who's using more words, um, a more active style. Um, I like to think of priming as repetitively running three or four elements of emotion in repeat as a way to evoke instead of just going directly at the emotion, although that is very much what we're intending to do. Mm-hmm. So Chad and other people, I think we've said it on here before, without even knowing it, when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to get access to the attachment channel and I don't have it, one of the things I'm using is there as a as a quick reference to a longing, which is also an alliance move for me to it's like me saying you're a good person, you have good intentions. So longing and then hit that somatic trigger again until you see your partner's eyes cut to the left. And then that sends you the message that you don't matter mm. and you are not important. And so I would maybe just do it again. So those three is, is one of my favorite moves. If, if nothing else, it keeps it clear in my head. That's an example of a priming move. There are many others you just referenced. Won't you tell the Leanne, Leanne Campbell one? Yeah, uh, I got to do a great training with Leanne Campbell and, and Robin Blake out of Toronto. Uh, and Leanne, it was EFIT, EFIT with intergenerational trauma. And the way Leanne does it is Leanne has a powerful presence. We'll talk about presence in a moment. I mean, and it's, and by the way, it's not just a therapeutic stance for her. It's who she is as a person. Love it. It's beautiful. But she also has this other move when you can tell it's happening. She starts priming it. Leanne particularly, she has a great way of walking you into a, a scene of your life. And she builds out the room. And she just keeps and she keeps repeating the elements as you give it to her. So help me see this. Help me see the world as your eyes see it. What do your eyes see? Oh, a red chair. I see the red chair. Tell me about the red chair. You see the. What do you see the faces look? What is the face saying to you? Yes, that's a big message. And then she just keeps doing that. And she's just like it feels like this. She's so like say uh, in a way of 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 walking into your story and running it past you, running it over you. She's letting it come alive in her eyes while your eyes get to witness her reflecting your experience back to you as well. Exactly. That's priming for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're referring to. The use of words, the use of image, the use of re- repetitively running the aspects of the assembly or mm-hmm. part of part of the aspects of the assembly as a way to invite emotion into the room, mm-hmm. out of the body. Mm-hmm. 
versus presence. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, too? do whatever you want. Because I love when Sue talks about Sue loves the, the intervention of reflection, and this it, it changed me when I it really helped me when I heard Sue say it. She uses reflection to help you as a therapist to like help hold your experience up, and so that both of you can look at it together. So she keeps using that reflection as a way of really priming you, allowing you to witness it. Let's witness it together. You see that? I see as you take that deep breath. I see as your eyes do that. I'm looking at it too. So anyway, I just wanted to bring out that element of Sue as well here too. Yeah, well done. And so, yeah, so priming is the, the use of words, the use of movement. EFT has an active style at mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. Um, to prime and to get the fuel up into the room. Mm-hmm. Presence um, is um, just the intense use of self, the use of silence. The, probably the primary intervention of presence would be reflection, empathic oh, reflection. Okay. But it's also the sound we make. It's also uh, you know, allowing your client's emotion to wash over you and even let them see you be impacted by this. Very classic EFT. So, you know, if you think about each of these not as competing, because we're kind of using the word versus yeah. uh, facetiously there, mm-hmm. but but rather complementing, uh, sometimes we can get in a, a little arguments about which one's better, which is probably nonsense. Both of them are really, really valuable. Everyone does both. But I think style-wise, I would typically think who, who are our highest presence trainers? What comes to mind for me is Gail. I would say is number one. I think presence wise and then and then Leanne does a lot of presence and who are your top priming people? I think George does a lot of priming. I do others. Um, you know, and, and and seeing the contrast there I think is helpful. Not because one is better than the other. Uh ultimately we're all going towards presence, actually. So if I had to pick, I would pick presence over priming. Um, but the reality is there's a journey to get there, and we'll talk about that more after the break. But um one thing I noticed watching Leanne just last week, as much as she was using uh, another example of presence would be your own tears, the, the tears of the therapist. It's not uncommon for Leanne to, to weep with clients, which is maybe the ultimate expression of presence. But you also notice, and just like your example, she's also doing priming moves before she gets there. So what we're trying to do is to, is to, Provide this distinction and contrast to help you study your process, like James said. More after the break. We want to take a minute to promote the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy, or ICEFT. ICEFT is the parent organization of all things EFT. We would love to ask you to consider checking out their website. A visit to the research page alone is worth it. If EFT is your clinical and professional home, it makes so much sense for you to join us at ICEFT. ICEFT is a great way to stay connected with EFTers all over the world. And even Dr. Sue Johnson is on our listserv. You can ask questions uh, on an email system. Uh, you can hear about trainings going all over the world. Please consider joining the International Center for Excellence in EFT, ICEFT.com. Yeah, Ryan, I appreciate this. Uh, in the words of, I always quote this line, I don't know why I'm trying to be cool, I guess. When you gave me a million dollar game for nine ninety nine, uh, it's when uh, we were doing a live in Connecticut. We, me and you were with George at a Core Skills, yep. and I was working with the person. I kept trying to at that time. I was really trying to get good at assembly, and I did it. 
And then, um, but then there was a moment when I did something that I didn't know I did until somebody was able to witness my work and give me feedback. And you gave me feedback the next day. Said, James, good job. And did you notice, like, when the moment dropped in the room, you did this deep breath thing. Mm -hmm. And that deep, when you took that deep breath, it just shifted things. That's your move, man. Mm -hmm. And I've started now when Ryan told me this was where this lesson comes now I use it so intentionally now. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, man, when 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 my client says or does something that honestly impacts me, not fake it, right? Like, whoa. <sighs> oh my goodness. This is breaking my heart. Wait, this thing knocked me back, man. Yeah. Hold on a second. <sighs> I just do that all like, I just let my body express what's happening inside of me outwardly. Because it is, it does something. It does. It's like I'm like I'm giving myself over. This also, you could go back to the podcast I did with Lee. Uh, I'm sorry, Catherine Ream. I'm give like this this limbic resonance to it. I'm letting you see that I'm resonating because it's also like the mirror in your eyes is activating you to allow to see your story come alive on my face, to hear it in my voice, to hear it almost knock the wind out of my diaphragm because that's what it's been doing to your life. So I know when I'm doing that as a clinician. I am literally priming your body with your own emotion without without any intervention or words there. Yeah, exactly. And you could argue that's priming and presence, yeah. and that's fine. We're not trying to make it that clean of a break, but yeah, you're right on. That, that The sounds that you make, <coughs> excuse me, they're, they're, to me, they're, they're your best intervention. And you have a lot of good ones, yeah. but uh, that's really, really key. And I want to talk can about... I, can I put one more on you, too? Yeah, yeah. I want to give a shout-out to Ryan here. I know he doesn't like us talking about him much, but like his with, uh, if you success and vulnerability, I remember Ryan took the risk and talked about the wristbands. You know, Ryan's an old athletic guy. Not old. I should just say athletic guy. Um, but <laughs> Not no, getting any younger. Right? But he talks about, like, Ryan will be at our trainings. He puts on a wristband on his right arm and a wristband on his left arm, and he's saying... I have the plays for a pursuer on one arm and the the and the moves for a withdrawer. And part of them that is presence. Ryan really has us go through, hey, when you're with a withdrawer that's struggling, they're shut down, lean your presence away. Take the pressure off of them. That presence helps them a little bit. Right? With the, if you're with a pursuer who's starting to get activated, go ahead, bring your back off of your chair and lean towards them. That presence will help ground them. So that's a way where Ryan's saying, like, hey. Your presence, this should be empowering for us. I want to make sure I say this line really clear. Your presence as a therapist honestly matters. Who you are as a person in the room matters. And that's significant. That should give us all some, I know it feels empowering to me to be able to say, you know what, my presence as a person is a powerful tool in the room. Absolutely. It's the, it's the most powerful tool, you know, in terms of what you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And this concept, priming versus presence, is congruent with the two paths concept, which we redundantly share over and over and over. Probably won't quit that. So the, basically, the more reactive your client, the more reactive your client is, the more active you probably need to become. More assembly, more of a focus on a trigger. In this context, more priming. As your client, which could happen every five minutes or it could happen every five years, there's no way to know for sure. As your client transitions over towards more vulnerability, you need to use more presence, maybe a little less priming, though you can, you can move those back and forth. But I want to get more specific here on, on three, three variables here to consider how much priming you use and how much presence you use. And so I just wrote these down. They're not really formal, but just something to think about, a discussion piece 
Number one is you. Number two is them. And number three is context. So the first one here with you is there's, there's just, there's room for style here. You know, Megan Jones, supervisor in, uh, in Arkansas, was working with a, a couple who'd had a really big trauma happened. And, and uh, she, had the, she had one partner already really in vulnerability and doing really good. The other person was kind of in vulnerability. And she tried some moves, and, and uh, that person wasn't going wasn't to – I mean, that, they, they, the person was doing a good job, but it wasn't just like really felt – and Megan just leaned forward and just cried. And just like, this is how much it breaks my heart. So that would be the use of, that would be a big presence intervention. And that person wow. couldn't, couldn't hold back. And then the real big tears came. And what was cool about that wasn't, I mean, I'm glad he, I'm glad that person could have that experience because it was good, healthy grief. But it really moved the partner who didn't know that person was struggling that much. So Megan was using her presence to set a chain of events forward. And that's Megan also knowing herself. That's what's good about her. She has a nurturing presence. Not all of us can get away with that that quickly. Uh, not, not anyone in particular here. No, me. <laughs> if I lean forward without some priming, it's, it's not real congruent with me. It's not going to be, you know, the way I kind of do things. It's going to stand out as... It, it can be misattuned, even if I have big tears in my eyes. So for me, I want to go to the same place Megan is going, but I may have a different pathway to get there. So, so some of this is just learning you. What is it like to be on the receiving end of you? Not just in your relationship, but as a client. What is it like to be on the receiving end of you? And so that's, why, that's part of why we video and study our videos. Um, so... One cool thing I like about your sound, I'll let you jump in here with me in a minute, but, um, you know, I think part of the reason that your sound is so effective, I think it's your gender, and I think it's, like, your style. So here's what's ironic with this one. If I'm just, like, a person who just drips with empathy all the time, whatever that would look like, not trying to make any stereotypes about anybody, and I make a sound, it doesn't have as much impact as someone who maybe doesn't always look completely empathic or just cries at a drop of a hat. So I think actually a, 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 the presence piece is more powerful maybe when someone like maybe me or you really lets it break our heart. Mm. Whereas Megan probably doesn't get quite that effect, but she can lead with presence where you and I have to probably do a little more priming. So again, we're not trying to have these concepts compete, but maybe try to get them a little bit more clear. You want to comment on that? I just love that we're being intentional in studying things. And this is like all the stuff, whether cultural variables and, and size and gender and all that. Like we're just saying like, hey, we're all different people, but like let's study it so we can be the best you know, healers and facilitators of healing processes as possible. Perfect. That's what I was going to talk about next is, is recognition of our power as I transition from from us to them, them being clients. So recognition of our power. Uh, you are in a power position if you're a therapist. Um, some of us are, are going to be perceived as more powerful than others. It's probably, I think it's my biggest weakness mm. that I have to overcome regularly. I'm known when I do live consults. I don't do it as much anymore, but I did when I started. I, I'm not afraid to call the couple the night before 
I still go out with them and just like hang out for five minutes. How you doing? What's up? How's your week been? I drove up here, flew up here from Arkansas and, you know, been hanging out with my kids and my two dogs. And I'm just like trying to make myself more approachable. Yeah. And so, um, and that certainly transitions to anybody in a marginalized position, which can be all kinds of things from gender to, you know, sexual orientation to racial trauma and, and the, the inequities in the world come right in the middle of, I think, how you dole out your priming interventions and your presence interventions. More specifically, you know, if I'm working with a, you know, really strong personality CEO type, which I do a lot, I'm going to enter via priming almost every time. Megan or Gail may not have to, but I do. And the opposite's also true. If I'm working with someone who, you know, is, is already in a vulnerable stance or then I'm going to try to dial that, some of that priming back and use presence more. So I think it, it's, 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 that, it's that space in between your style and their need that, that we have to show up in. And, and I think the more, I mean, you want to let attunement drive all this. That's okay. Right. So attunement drives all this. We're not saying this instead of attunement, but sometimes it's important to study what you do in attunement because it makes sense, especially if you're someone just learning this model. Yeah, that just takes me back one to our talk about three-way attunement. Got to be attuned to self, client, and the process. Uh, what was the, Oh, I remember one time, <clears throat> you know, we appreciate one of our uh, attendees at a training. We were going over risk, and they kind of shared about, like, risk not landing so well for them as a uh, marginalized, as the words they use, person. And it's not that risk in and of itself is bad. The key is with, with any EFT invention, you should be paying attention to how does your presence land on the person in front of you. So we should be paying attention to, as I lean forward, do I find, do I see my client leans back some more? Um, if I lean back, does it seem like they feel like they, they look like I'm, abs- I'm exiting the situation? We should always be paying attention to how is our presence impacting someone yeah. and just be willing to check on that. Yeah. I was watching a training one time with Lisa Palmer Olson and, and Jim Farrow and, they were kind of joking around about it because the session went well. I think they'd been doing co-therapy. We should try that sometime. Mm. Anyway, and uh, there was a, a male withdrawer in this couple, and uh, he was right on the edge of, of emotion, and Jim just used kind of a, I would say, a presence move because there was just like a, a tear just below the surface, and Jim just looks at him really deeply and just goes, he just goes, yeah, man, yeah, man. And they just, the dam breaks open and Elisa was kind of giving him a hard time about it afterwards like oh you just got that deep with yeah man but it, it's 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 what's uniquely you mm. right because you can't you don't yeah. want to evoke and, and distill and deepen trying to be like anybody else was it Jim Furrow that one where he gave you the advice to be you always in, in the in the room he did yeah I came out of a bad live <laughs> terrible and uh, he said what well, what were you trying and I said I'm trying to be like more like Gail Palmer and quit using so many words, and he's like, "Don't ever do that again." And uh, he was somewhat joking, but he was right, you know. So you got to be, got to be uniquely you for sure. And here's what I want to challenge our listeners with, and I'm gonna give like the advice Jim gave to you. Thank you for sharing that story with yeah. me, Ryan. I've, it's never left my memory. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're on a good day and you're feeling connected in the world, and you're just you're just bonding with people, you're making friends. You maybe are encouraging someone that feels a little bit down. How do you show up in that moment? 
How do you show up with someone your friend is hurting or your partner's hurting? How do you show up with them? What do you do? What does your voice sound like? What's the, maybe the look on your face? What do you do with your hands? Got that? That's what that's you in the room when people are in those moments as well, too. When people are maybe even frustrated and you are able to, it's a good day and you can handle the frustration and the anger well. That's your presence for when, when anger comes up in the room. When someone you love is like just accomplished something and they're doing good and they're, and they're winning, what do you do? That's what you do with people enjoying positivity in the room. That's your therapeutic presence. Like uh, that's what that, when you told me that story, I'm like, huh, how do I do that? What does mm-hmm. that look like? Oh, okay. And I find myself, you want, if anybody like people say like, you know, James, what are you doing to grow? I'm a new trainer. You know what I think that's helping me grow the most, Ryan? Just learning to be me more. And like finding that in the room. Mm-hmm. And so like even for me, I like celebrating when people win stuff. I like, like look at you. I, so I just do that in session. When they do something good and I need to celebrate, look at you two. Y'all showing out today. What? Why did y'all even call me in here? Y'all don't need me. Mm-hmm. And it's like almost my clients are like, yeah. yeah. It's playful. It's exactly. affirming. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Because you, your attachment system is it's going to become spontaneous. So if I am too inhibited over here. And, and I can't be me, I'll actually create protection probably. There's exceptions to that. There's sometimes when I'm a storyteller and the right answer is not right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe next session. Or the juice is flowing, don't mess it up. But as a rule, it's good to be you. Yeah. So, the last, so the first variable was you, your style. The second one was, was them and, and, you know, recognition of culture and diversity and the challenges that sometimes come with that, particularly as a white male therapist, I got to pay attention to that. I got to sometimes make that overt. Um, you know, if I'm working with a heterosexual couple, particularly a large, strong presence, you've heard me say this many times, like, hey, hang on a minute. What's this like right now? I'm, I've got a little pressure on you. You're surrounded by two big guys. I know I'm huge with my beard and I'm trying to use humor but it's an important step there. Uh, I think that's a presence move as well. It is. So you, them, and the context. So what stage are we in, roughly? You know, or where are we within the tango, if you will? You know, I think the earlier you are in the change process, then the, the longer you can stay with priming. And then as people move deeper into vulnerability, um, presence becomes more and more key. Priming is still really helpful for some therapists in stage two work, deeper restructuring, deep model of self. Containment. but con- Yes, containment. And just, you know, sometimes the best way to help someone access negative model of self is to repetitively reflect their dilemma and how they don't have good moves. And here's what the cycle does to you. But I'm always paying attention to cut that off and just go full-time presence here as we go try to finish a mission. So that's what I mean by priming versus presence. We, we all do both of them. Um, but some of us do and probably need to use a little more of one than the other. Sometimes I see people who have tons of just nurturing presence trying to do therapy like George or something and, and, and vice versa. I sometimes have people like me who, you know, I usually can't really get into attunement without some words. I'm jealous of people who can. Um, you know, if I don't have an image or some words, I, can't, I, I kind of can't find you. And, but so there's the danger. I go study Gail Palmer, whom I admire so much, 
And then I try to be like the way she does. And that's like, that's just not me. So this is really, really key. I think to study this, I think we want to let our natural attunement drive this. And yet I'd never think it's a bad idea to, to study our process. Nope, never a bad idea. So as you listen to this, make sure you go study yours. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com. And you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, ryanraynertraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Thank you.